0: Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode.
1: Welcome to this episode of the Officer Roll Call Podcast. This is Paul Peluso, the editor of Officer Magazine. And as always, I'm joined by Frank Borelli, editorial director of um, the Officer Media Group. How's it going today, Frank?
0: Pretty good, Paul, pretty good. It's cold across the country as we record this.
1: Yes, yeah, it it is. I hope everybody's staying safe out there, uh, dealing with the snow and the cold weather. Um, I'm down here in Florida, and luckily it's it's not too chilly down here. But we did get a couple of cold days, but nothing like you guys up north get, Frank.
0: Uh it's actually not bad here in the Mid Atlantic region, but other areas of the country really surprised me, even down in Lafayette and Gulf Coast states. Some of them around the other side of the Gulf from you, I guess, and they're getting yeah. they were getting snow yesterday. So I hope everybody does stay warm and safe. Certainly, it's not stuff they're used to.
1: So today we're going to talk about traffic safety enforcement and, you know, the important to think about, you know, safety when it comes to these cold days with bad weather, uh, even when you have rain um, while a lot of parts of the areas, you know, the country is getting snow us over here, even in warmer States, you're getting a lot of rain. Um, So, you know, Frank, if you want to talk about a little, um, about some of the stuff that you learned during your time on the force of, about just staying safe out of there on the roadways, like officers spend a lot of their time on the road. And w- what have you found um, being the most important thing when when it comes to um, operating out there?
0: You know, in, in anything officer survival related, we often say expect the unexpected. Um, and I think that applies in traffic and on the road almost more than anywhere else uh, people joke about how other drivers in different regions don't know how to drive in different kinds of weather um it, it amazed me when i visited alaska and i saw people on motorcycles and they they, they were out there in two feet of snow and it didn't matter they didn't care it's just they're out there um my i, I have friends in louisiana and when the temperatures drop down uh, one gentleman made the comment that he won't even go out on the roads because there are too many people simply don't know how to drive in the weather that's w- winter related. You know, if, it, if it's snow flurrying, they all lose their mind. And if there's one thing that I I, I learned was 100% true, you could never anticipate what other drivers were going to do uh, during a traffic stop, during traffic enforcement activities, or even just simply driving from A to B. You could always count on them to do something completely unexpected, um, changing lanes, stopping. The the I when I took driver's ed, we were taught if you saw lights behind you, you pull over and slow down, get get out of the way. The number of people that if, if they would just stop in the lane, they they wouldn't pull off to the side of the road. It could be a two lane road, and they'd be in the fast lane, and they would they see lights behind them and just stop. Um. Expecting the unexpected was hands down the biggest lesson learned um, in driving a law enforcement vehicle, Paul.
1: So, Frank, I want to talk about a couple uh, articles that are going to appear in the January-February issue of Officer Magazine. Now, the magazine won't be out until the middle of February, but this will kind of be a preview for our listeners here. Um, And you wrote both of these pieces. And the first piece we'll talk about is titled "Cover Versus Concealment. Um, on a patrol SUV, and basically how you know patrol vehicles are largely SUVs today instead of sedan, sedans, and how has the available cover um, from the vehicle changed? Uh, can you talk about kind of what, what went into this, your mindset, um, and what you're talking about, kind of you know tactically when it comes to staying safe on the road when you're around your patrol vehicle?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, when I went through the academy, everybody was driving sedans and we did have a class, uh, you know, what part of a car will stop rounds that provides cover versus which part you could just hide behind or inside of that's concealment. Right. Um, and then when I became an officer survival instructor and I was attached to the academy and we're teaching stop and approach, um, you know, what part of the, the bad guy's vehicle can they shoot through? versus what can't they shoot through. Uh, And then (laughs) interestingly on the street, the things you would never think would stop rounds that actually did because they were a cumulative effect. Uh, One instance was a bad guy who shot at a driver. Uh, The driver was driving a a Toyota 4Runner. So his SUV, the guy was behind his vehicle, not more than 20 feet. And he fired several rounds at the driver and the bullets that managed to penetrate the vehicle through glass or through a uh, metal body through the back seat, one of the rounds was actually stopped by the headrest behind the driver's head. So that's how close he came to getting shot in the head. But that headrest, which would normally not stop around because of the cumulative effect of other things around had to penetrate, then it did actually stop that round. Um, but, you know, it's not sedans out here anymore. Um, Exclusively, There's still certainly some sedans uh, out there and for patrol use, but now in 2024, the only sedans being made for patrol are electric. Um, everybody else has done away with, with sedans, so now we're looking at purely SUVs and pickup trucks. And it occurred to me that across my span of time in law enforcement and as an instructor, nobody had ever done another analysis of the vehicles and said, okay, what's cover and what's concealment? So, when I wrote that article, I did it with the purpose of analyzing the, the commonplace patrol SUV, right? The Ford Explorer, the Durango, the Dodge Durango derivatives. Um, and where are you safe from what angles inside the vehicle in the driver's seat or outside the vehicle behind different parts of the vehicle. Um, and then same thing with the pickup truck, right? So if you're in the driver's seat of the pickup truck, What's in front of you that's going to stop bullets? What's beside you that will or won't? What angles are you safe at? Uh, what's in your trunk, or excuse me, the bed of a truck or the storage compartment of an SUV? And that's what that article discusses. Is where where are you safe as if you can be safe when somebody's shooting at you? But what's cover? What's concealment? Knowing the differences and, and taking a good position based on the circumstances.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, you make a lot of good points in this, rank about things to uh, consider. I mean, when when you go from, you know, sedans of of a while ago now, the, those big, big sedans, to now kind of, you know, smaller SUVs, do, have you found that you're actually, even though you're going to an SUV from a sedan, that you're losing cover space?
0: Well, I think it's inevitable that you are. You know, the, the Crown Victoria's of old, and the Impalas and the Caprices that were really the full-size sedans, you look at a 400-plus uh, cubic inch motor, it, that's a lot bigger chunk of steel to be able to hide behind than any of the V6s that are out here today in the SUVs. And since that steel is really what's providing the cover, the more the better, but it's not there anymore. You know, Vehicle frames that used to be steel frames, um, a lot of officers who were around in the mid-'90s, early mid-'90s will remember when Ford, Switch the Crown Victoria from a steel frame vehicle to an alloy frame vehicle. I, you know, I don't, I don't depend on the alloys to provide as much color as mu- cover as much as the the actual steel frame would. So uh, yes, there's 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 less protective space even on the SUVs than there is on sedans. Uh, the, the sedans of old, they're 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 never going to be we're never going to have that level of protection again. I don't think unless you actually up armor a vehicle, um, when it comes to safety in or around the vehicle, we have certainly taken a step back.
1: I think too, when you think about, you know, protection and cover, not just from, you know, firearms, um, but just from being on the side of the road and being able to use that when you're on the other side of the vehicle, um, as a type of cover from incoming traffic maybe a you know trunk driver or someone that's not paying attention um there is you know going from those big sedans there is less you know room um i I guess kind of if you're trying to block off something on the other side of that vehicle um does that pose a challenge at all
0: well yeah obviously it does when you're using the vehicles to create a safe zone The larger, heavier vehicle is always better because, you know, uh, even if you take a small vehicle, take a a Nissan Sentra coming down the road at 55, 60 miles an hour, that's a projectile with an awful lot of inertia and momentum uh, and energy coming at you. Um, So if you have a tank sitting there, obviously you're safer behind it than if you have a Volkswagen sitting there to stop it. And, And that's where we're at today. The SUVs today... Uh, aren't as large and aren't as heavy um, as even the sedans were of yesteryear. Or the pickup trucks are larger SUVs. And if you're using an SUV, a patrol vehicle of any kind, to set up a safe zone, you definitely want to have that heavier weight uh, because there's a lot of energy, a vehicle traveling down the road. Uh, example, we drive, my wife and I drive a, a Nissan Rogue, a small SUV. But if we're going 60 miles an hour, it's still 4,000 pounds going 60 miles an hour. Now you compare that to our other vehicle, uh, a dodge ram twenty five hundred you know seven thousand plus pound vehicle going sixty sixty five that's a whole other level of energy. It's almost twice the energy. Stopping one's a lot easier than stopping the other, and we need to keep that in mind,
1: and yeah, I know we also talk a lot about electric vehicles and how more departments are turning to electric vehicles, or that's something out there that's being pushed and and one of the big things is that they're lighter uh which which could be a good thing, but you know, when it comes to, you know, using them um, um, on roadways and in that way, uh, that could not be a good thing.
0: I, I don't know. I don't know what they weigh. I'm not that, as familiar yeah. with electric vehicles. I think my bigger concerns would be is if you're going to use an electric patrol vehicle purely uh, as a say as a road barrier and somebody rams it intentionally. What happens with the battery? I I mean, I don't don't know enough, and I'm not saying anything bad would happen, anything good would happen. Maybe that battery weighs enough, and it's an anchor, and it's fantastic. Um, To my knowledge, nobody's taken one of those vehicles uh, to a police range and fired a whole bunch of rounds into it at different spots. Uh, I would not ever assume that an electric vehicle offers the same amount of cover um as a, a, a traditional internal combustion engine vehicle simply because i haven't done the study and i haven't seen any studies done on it i'd like to see one taken and shot with a whole bunch of different types of ammo at different ranges and different guns and see how they react
1: yeah frank let's talk about this Um, uh, the next article that you wrote for the vehicles and um the Traffic Safety Enforcement Special section for the January February issue of Officer Magazine. and it's titled "Um AI in Patrol and Emergency Lighting." And uh, basically you talk about how you know m- many people don't realize how uh, saturated our our days are ready uh, with artificial intelligence or the power that it brings in in the context of uh, lighting. In the vehicles that officers drive um, and and kind of how that helps and what the benefits are, so can you talk a little bit uh, about this one?
0: so yeah, I didn't ever really pay attention to artificial intelligence or AI in the control of um, emergency lighting until I was at an IACP conference uh, visiting a friend's booth, sound off signal gentleman said, "Hey, one of our editorial advisory board members, Jason Meyer." said come look at this. And uh, it was an automatic shutoff, right? if If I'm the driver of a troll vehicle and I'm going slow and I've got my left hand alley light on, so it's on the left end of the light bar shining almost perpendicular out the left side of the car, the driver's side of the car, and I'm looking down the alley. Well, if I see something, and I put the car in park and I open the door and I get out, that light, unless I turned it off before I got out, is gonna be blinding me. It's gonna be right in my face. Um, this particular vehicle, Uh, The AI, the artificial intelligence, sensed the opening of the door and turned off that light automatically. Now, excellent usage and such a simple tool. We've now gotten much, much farther into the use of artificial intelligence to where we can coordinate lights between vehicles um, so that we're not blinding officers showing up to back us up, or we are not, as the backup officers, blinding the officers that we are backing up. AI has really started to penetrate uh, the emergency lighting and the emergency audio, the audible signals that go out. We used to be taught, uh, you know, when you're driving, you're, you know, imagine this, right? Now, everybody today, we're not allowed to hold our phones. We're not allowed to, to manipulate stuff. We're not allowed to do this. I was taught in the academy, we're going on, we're in pursuit or we're on emergency response, that we had to change the sound of the siren as we were driving so it didn't become, um, tedious it didn't become just rhythmic right people would would ignore it because it was just a constant we had to switch it up which meant literally turning a switch or pushing a button so now i've only got one hand on the wheel and the other one i'm playing with the siren box now with ai we don't have to worry about stuff like that and that's that's the kind of improvement we see from artificial intelligence that will make us safer on the road and it, it is absolutely being integrated into everything uh paul we people don't think about it if they have a smartphone in their pocket. Artificial intelligence is in their life. If they have Alexa or Google Home, whatever, artificial intelligence is in their life. So, you know, a lot of people are worried about it. A lot of people, uh, they hear artificial intelligence and they think Skynet, um, you know, whatever. They think iRobot, it's not there yet. But everywhere we've got it right now, it provides us a strength from what I can tell.
1: One of the cool things, uh, Frank, that Sound Off Signal does is uh, there's a feature uh, there that allows vehicles to synchronize uh, their lights. This this is something I I spoke to uh, a representative from Sound Off Signal about um, a couple years ago, and, and how you know using their um, they have a system called Blueprint that allows officers to have control of all all the lighting in the vehicle in one central location. And that through the use of uh GPS time, they're able to synchronize the lights with other vehicles in the fleet. And yep. it, it's something that they found that, you know, it can cause a calming effect, you know, when you have multiple vehicles on a scene and they're all blinking off, you know, off time. And um just set to however, you know, when the lights were turned on to that vehicle that drivers that could be really distracting and that having them blinking in a synchronized fashion, um, they found that that helps. Is that, is that something that you've seen a a lot at all? Because, uh, you know, it it seems like this is still even a couple of years ago, was was something that was relatively new. Um, Is it something that you've seen more of and do you think it would help?
0: You know, I I haven't seen it much, honestly, but yes, I think it would help. Um, When you consider uh, that that people get eighty percent of all of our decision making capability comes in through our eyes, and we process um, images at a particular speed. Right? Um, there's a reason why, as the example, Hollywood uses uh, a certain minimum frame rate per second, so they give you know smooth flowing images. Um, when you look at an emergency vehicle, every flash is is another piece of data to be processed. Uh, uh the average patrol vehicle can put out over 3000 flashes per minute. When you pull up another vehicle next to it if they're not synchronized, now it's 6000. And your brain is just overloaded trying to process all of this sensory input, all of this visual input. When they synchronize, it becomes much more manageable. So for the people and and here's the, here's the caveat, for the for the People we don't want to overload, the synchronization is great. For the bad guys who we want to overload, I don't want that synchronization. I like to be able to turn it off because I want the bad guys overloaded with sensory data as I can get him so he can't make clear decisions.
1: So, Frank, just thinking, uh, talking generally here, um we'll, we'll close this uh, episode of the podcast out. What kind of tips can you give officers out there as far as staying safe on the roadways, especially when it comes to being at night or in low visibility uh, conditions?
0: You know, uh, that would be that would be a long list if, if I took it on all all at yeah. once, Paul. Um, the there's times when you're out there that you want visibility in every way, and and I would encourage them to take advantage of it, leverage it. Uh, be as visible as they can in every way. Reflectivity is good at that point, right? Um, on the other hand, if you're if you don't want to be an easy target, you don't want a whole lot of visibility, and you don't want a whole lot of um, reflective material. So first off, you need to be aware of what your goals are, right? What what creates your safest environment, the high visibility or the no visibility? And then you have to be able, and Ken Good said this when I I took a a low light class from him decades ago now, you have to be able to see from the other perspective, right? How much light are you putting off? How much light aren't you putting off? Are you maybe not reflective, but there's a lot of light behind you, so you still are this beautiful silhouette? You have to be able to see from the other perspective. And that's a skill that um, is not taught enough or focused on enough in police academies, in my opinion, uh, in low light classes. We've got to develop this skill of understanding how we're perceived and how we appear and then uh, modify that to attain our goals. Um, other than that, it, it really it, it comes back to the mantras that I was taught as a military police officer. Stay alert, stay alive. Um, and then uh, in, in the civilian world, just being alert to what's going on around you, that awareness um and and acting accordingly. It's we we really do have to pay attention and we can't let our guard down when we're on duty. Uh, we have to stay on our game. I don't know how else to say it, Paul.
1: Yeah, no, I think all of that is great, Frank. And I'd like to thank everybody for joining us for this episode of the Officer Roll Call Podcast, as always. If you have any questions, suggestions for us, you can reach us at editors at officer.com and uh and stay safe out there. And is there anything you want to add, Frank?
0: Nope. I think everybody needs to stay safe. Welcome to the new year. Let's make it a great one.
1: Hey, thanks everyone.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Officer Roll Call. Be sure to check back every two weeks for a new episode. Stay safe.